Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm LN, my co-host is KT, and yes, I just discovered that you can spell both of our names with two letters. I can also spell mine with a letter and a number, so there. Aren't you just so special? I'm so special, I'm gonna just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 4, Number 12, Grimmauld Place, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Harry wants answers more than he wants to yell for once. Movie Ron is in denial about his feelings for Hermione's cat. Percy became more of an insufferable prat over the summer. Ginny's knowledge of imperturbable charms and dung bombs catches her brothers by surprise. Molly has had it with Fred and George's shenanigans. Hermione's pleas for spew continue to fall on deaf ears. And speaking of ears, someone should really check on Ludo Bagman. During episode 123, Caught Dung-Handed, our Potter pondering was, what do you think went through Sirius's head every time Snape spoke? Hola, it's Quincy. So, I'm not going to rant on this one, but I do have a few ideas as to what Sirius was probably thinking every time that Snape was talking. Of course, one, he was calling him Snivellus all up and through and out his head. And then he was probably thinking, oh my gosh, can you shut the fuck up? Or, damn, I wonder when the last time this guy actually washed his hair. Or, does he ever get out? The guy is so damn pale. You know, random insults like that but also i really think that Sirius had a slight respect for snape but i think it was just so much bad blood there that he probably refused to show it i don't know i'm just spitballing ideas and things hey ellen hey katie it's jackson so this week's fight of pondering what do i think goes through Sirius's head every time snivellus Sorry, I mean Severus speaks. Pretty much something on the lines of get fucked, Snivellus. Get your slimy, greasy-haired ass out of my mother's house. And I don't give a damn that Dumbledore trusts you. I don't, and I never will. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. And I'm heavily biased, y'all. I do not like Snape. I'm not cool with him. Me and him were never friends. It wouldn't have worked out. I'm 100% on serious society, even though he ain't no better. I'm sorry. Two wrongs don't make a right, but I don't care. That's how I feel. That's how I know Sirius was thinking all types of shit about old boy. But especially, especially trying to figure out why he hadn't washed his hair 15, 20 years later. To this day, you still ain't washed your damn hair. Half-blood prince of potions, and you couldn't brew your ass up something to get the grease from your scalp. That's what we're dealing with. Okay. Hi, guys. It's Juliana calling in this week's Potter Pondering. My first thought was, what does Sirius think when Snape is talking? It was just a slew of profanities, just all nonstop profanities. And then I stopped and thought about it. 
and the next thing that came to my mind was So that's my final answer. Snape sounds like a Charlie Brown teacher. Hey guys, Michaela here for this week's Potter Pondering. What do I think went through Sirius's head every time Snape spoke? Hmm. I think that's pretty easy. Let me just get into character. And this is what I think went through Sirius's head. Snivellus. Snivellus. Doesn't he ever shut up? He thinks he's so clever, just like back at school. Snivellus. Why do I have to listen to Snivellus? I mean, he's the whole reason Voldemort came after Lily and James in the first place. Yeah, that's what I think went through his head. So, that's all for now. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, What did Molly make for dessert on Harry's first night at the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix? Molly made rhubarb crumble and custard, and Harry ate three helpings of it, which somehow left the waistband of his jeans that once belonged to Dudley feeling a little tight. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's Molly. Congratulations goes to... Dave Garza. Wahoo! But according to Jackson, he was getting ready for a wedding, and he expected somebody else to win. So is he coming back this week? Is Dave going to get it again? Is someone else going to sweep in to take the win? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, Part 1. Harry is completely stunned to realize that the screaming portrait is Sirius's mum, and wonders why her portrait's there. Sirius bitterly explains that they're in his parents' house, but since he's the last black left, it's his now, and letting the Order use it is about the only useful thing he's been able to do. Harry follows his godfather into the basement kitchen, which is basically as gloomy as the rest of the house, being cavernous with rough stone walls. Pots and pans hang from the ceiling, and the room is crammed with chairs for the meeting, placed around a long wooden table that is cluttered with parchments, goblets, empty wine bottles, and what appears to be a pile of rags. Mr. Weasley and Bill are talking quietly at one end of the table and jump to their feet to greet Harry. Bill begins hastily rolling up the parchments as he asks Harry how their journey was, wondering if Mad-Eye Moody tried to make him come via Greenland. Tonk says that he tried and goes to help him clean up the parchments, but knocks over a candle onto the last one instead. An exasperated Mrs. Weasley repairs it with her wand, and the flash of light gives Harry the opportunity to get a glimpse of it, seeing a building plan. She catches him looking and snaps at Bill that it should have been cleared up immediately. When Mrs. Weasley turns to get the dinner plates out, Bill uses Evanesco to vanish the last of the scrolls. Sirius tells Harry to take a seat and asks if he's met Mundungus. What Harry thought was a pile of rags startles awake and sleepily raises his hand, saying he agrees with Sirius. Ginny giggles and Sirius informs Mundungus that the meeting is over because Harry's there. The grubby wizard peers at Harry and asks if he's all right, lighting a pipe and offering him an apology. 
He's cut off by Mrs. Weasley, who yells at him to not smoke in the kitchen. He tells her sorry and puts his pipe back in his pocket. Mrs. Weasley then announces to the whole room that she will need help with dinner if they want it before midnight, but tells Harry to stay in his seat after his long journey. Tonks immediately offers to help, but Mrs. Weasley looks extremely apprehensive and tells her she should have a rest too. The younger witch insists, knocking over a chair as she hurries towards the dresser with cutlery. As dinner prep gets underway, Harry sits with Sirius and Mundungus. The latter asks if he's seen Figgy since, and then explains to Harry that he wouldn't have left, but he had a good business opportunity. Crookshanks then startles Harry, brushing against his leg, before jumping into Sirius's lap. Sirius scratches the cat behind the ears and asks Harry if he had a good summer so far. Harry tells him that it's been lousy, and Sirius actually grins, wondering what he's complaining about since he would have welcomed a Dementor attack. He's been stuck inside Grimmauld Place for the past month, since the Ministry is still after him and Wormtail is sure to have told Voldemort all about him being an Animagus, so his big disguise is useless and Dumbledore feels there isn't much he can do for the Order. His tone of voice tells Harry that his godfather is also not very happy with the headmaster, and he feels an upsurge of affection for him, though he also points out that at least he's been allowed to know what's going on. This doesn't cheer Sirius up, as he just sarcastically comments about having to listen to Snape's reports that include snide hints that he's out there taking risks and asking how the cleaning is going. Harry asks about the cleaning, and his godfather explains that no one has lived there for ten years, and the house elf has gone round the twist, and hasn't cleaned anything in ages. He's interrupted by Mundungus, who's inspecting an empty goblet and wondering if it's solid silver. Sirius confirms this, but the conversation is sidetracked when Mrs. Weasley yells at Fred and George for trying to use magic to carry a large cauldron of stew, an iron flagon of butterbeer, and a heavy wooden breadboard and knife to the table. They skid across the table, spilling the butterbeer and sending the knife off the breadboard, where it lands point down right where Sirius's hand had just been seconds before. Mrs. Weasley screams at them, telling them they don't have to whip their wands out for every tiny thing. They apologize to Sirius, but he and Harry are both laughing. Trying to defuse the situation, Mr. Weasley speaks up to encourage the twins to show some responsibility, now that they're of age, but Mrs. Weasley is too fired up and continues lecturing them about how none of their brothers caused this kind of trouble. She begins rattling through things their older brothers didn't do. But when she gets to Percy, she stops dead, and Bill quickly interjects to suggest they eat. Lupin tells her how wonderful everything looks, and then the silence continues, aside from the scraping of cutlery and whatnot. Mrs. Weasley then restarts the talking, telling Sirius that there's something trapped in the writing desk of the drawing room. She figures it's a boggart, but thinks they should have Alistair take a look at it before they let it out. She also mentions that the curtains are full of doxies, and she thinks they should tackle those the next day as well. Sirius is indifferent and sarcastically says he looks forward to it. Opposite Harry, Tonks is entertaining Hermione and Ginny by transforming her nose, and after a while they begin to request their favorites, starting with the one that looks like a pig snout, which gives Harry the impression of a female Dudley. At another part of the table, Mr. Weasley, Bill, and Lupin are discussing how the goblins aren't giving anything away about where they stand about Voldemort. 
a contact of Bill's in specific, Ragnarok, is feeling particularly anti-wizard, especially after all the trouble with Ludo Bagman, since they never got their gold from him and think the ministry did a cover-up. Laughter from the middle of the table drowns out their conversation, and Harry hears Mundungus telling the twins and Ron about selling a bunch of stolen toads back to the guy he stole them from. Molly is not amused by this story or Mundungus's knowledge of right and wrong, and Sirius quietly explains that she doesn't approve of him. He's in the order because he has useful contacts and is very loyal to Dumbledore, but Molly thinks inviting him to stay for dinner is too much, and she hasn't forgiven him for shirking his guard duty. After three helpings of rhubarb, crumble, and custard, Harry's jeans are feeling uncomfortably tight, and he sets his spoon down to listen to the conversations going on around him. Mrs. Weasley yawns and says that it's nearly time for bed, but Sirius stops her and turns to Harry, telling him that he's surprised he didn't immediately start asking questions about Voldemort. Harry explains that he did, he asked Ron and Hermione, and they told him they aren't allowed in the order. Mrs. Weasley cuts him off to confirm this, saying they are too young, but Sirius insists that they don't have to be in the order to ask questions. This enrages Fred and George, who want to know why they can't get their questions answered, especially since Harry isn't even of age. Sirius tells them that it isn't his fault, it's their parents' decision. He starts to talk about Harry, but Mrs. Weasley cuts him off telling him it isn't up to him to decide what's good for Harry and to ask if he's forgotten what Dumbledore said, reminding him that Harry isn't to be told more than he needs to know. Sirius retorts that he doesn't intend to tell Harry more than he needs to know, but as he's the one who saw Voldemort come back, he thinks he has the right to know. Mrs. Weasley points out that he isn't a member of the Order, and Sirius fires back that he's done as much, or more, than most in the Order. There are bits and pieces of the movie scene that do fit into this section, but as the bulk of it aligns much better with the second half of the chapter, we're just going to discuss it more fully next week and just focus on what the book included that the movie left out, or significantly streamlined. Yeah. The book chapter starts out with Harry completely stunned to realize that the screaming portrait is Sirius's mom, and he's like, why is it here? Because <laughs> Harry is not in Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think there would be a portrait of Sirius's mother in this house? Come yeah. on, Harry. Think about it. Think about it. Let's put the puzzle pieces together. Sirius is a little bit nicer than me and just goes, because uh, this is my parents' house, which mm -hmm. actually makes it my house because I'm the last black left. Yeah. And he explains that he's letting the Order use it because what the fuck else is he going to do with it? Yeah. And it's about the only useful thing he's been able to do. And he says this very bitterly. Which is kind of understandable once we find out what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. He leads Harry into the kitchen, which is, you know... Just as pleasant as the rest of the house. I'm sure it is. Lovely. Mm-hmm. It's described as being cavernous with rough stone walls. There are pots and pans hanging from the ceiling, which, if it's cavernous, that kind of makes me wonder how they can reach them, but I guess magic. Yeah. And then there's a big wooden table in the middle of the room that's just completely crammed with chairs around it. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, this is where they were having their meeting. And the yeah. remnants of said meeting are just strewn all over the table. So there's parchments. There's wine goblets, empty wine bottles. So they know how to have a meeting. Yeah. It's a good meeting, guys. And Harry also sees what he thinks is a pile of rags just randomly on the table. Sure. 
Like you do. As they walk in, Mr. Weasley and Bill, who were talking quietly at the other end, notice him and immediately jump to their feet to greet him because, like we said in the last episode, everyone's dying to see Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is not just serious. Bill and Arthur are happy to see him, too. Yeah. And Bill starts hurrying to clean up all of the leftover parchments Mm -hmm. and kind of distracts Harry from what he's doing by asking him how the journey was. And if Mad-Eye tried to make him come via Greenland. He did, in fact. (laughs) Pretty much. That's exactly what Tonk says, too. She's like, he tried. Mm -hmm. She goes to help him clean up, but being Tonks just ends up nearly setting the last parchment on fire when she knocks a candle over onto it. Her clumsiness is something that we really missed from the movie. I know. It's so endearing. Mm-hmm. She stumbles that one time when they first get to Grimmauld Place, and that's it. That's it. Literally that's all it. she does. And it's so endearing. Unless, of course, you're Mrs. Weasley, in which case she's over it. Yeah. She's just pretty done with the whole thing. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley's just like, oh, my fucking God, and uses her wand to, you know, put out the fire, repair the parchment. Yeah. But the flash of her wand light is enough to help Harry see what's on said parchment. Mm. And he sees the plans to a building. Some schematics, if you will. Some schematics that Mrs. Weasley catches him looking at. And then, of course, she turns and snaps at Bill. You can tell that Mrs. Weasley is stressed. Oh, she's had it up to here. Because she's snapping at people. She's done with Tonks' clumsiness. Mm -hmm. It is just... Well, she misses her house. Yeah. She misses her own kitchen where she knows where everything is. And, you know, I kind of get that. Oh, I'm not judging her for it. That's why I say you can tell she's stressed. Yeah. But she does snap at Bill that that should have been cleared up immediately. And then she starts to go get dishes and stuff for dinner. And Bill's just like, Evanesco! And just Mm -hmm. makes the rest of the scrolls vanish. Probably should have done that to begin with, Bill. Probably, yeah. But you're adorable, so we'll forgive you this time. (laughs) (laughs) And then Sirius tells Harry to take a seat. Asking him if he's met Mundungus and gesturing to the pile of what Harry thought was rags. Yeah, exactly what you would think from someone named Mundungus. Right? And this, you know, pile of rags wakes up and very sleepily raises his hand like he's voting and just says, <laughs> I agree with Sirius. <laughs> Ginny also finds this to be amusing. Mm-hmm. And she just laughs. And Sirius is like, dude, meeting's over. <laughs> Harry's here now. We're moving on. Yeah. And this dung (laughs) this pile of dung this dung of a man this dung rags dung rags (laughs) and dung rags over there peers at harry and is like you all right (laughs) i owe you an apology uh yeah i would think so but he says this as he's lighting up a pipe so before he can actually give a real apology molly is yelling at him How many times do I have to tell you not to smoke in the kitchen, especially not right when we're about to eat? (laughs) And he's just like, sorry, and puts it back in his pocket. Because nobody wants to cross Mrs. Weasley. No. It just keeps happening. (laughs) And Mrs. Weasley is just, you know, stressed out, stretched thin, and just announces to the whole room that you are going to need to help me with dinner if you want it before midnight. Yeah. And Harry starts to get up, but she's like, no, Harry, not you. And it's the same exact thing where she, like, snaps at everybody else. No, Harry. Yeah. No, Harry. Oh, Harry, dear, sit back down. Sit back down. (laughs) You rest after your long journey. You silly goose. And then also Tonks is just like, oh, help, what do you want me to do? (laughs) And Mrs. Weasley's just like, uh, you had a long journey, too. Why don't you rest? And Tonks is just like, no, no, I insist. Knocks over a chair. 
of course. <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. We got so bilked out of Tonks's clumsiness. We really did. We got bilked out of this whole dynamic. I would have loved to see, especially since, I mean, Mrs. Weasley got her daughter. Mm-hmm. But she loves kids. She adopts people. I think on some level, Tonks was her daughter. Yeah. And we learn a little bit more about the relationship that they have later on, too. Like, she loves Tonks. She's just a klutz and it's obnoxious. She's just done with it. Yeah. yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, there's a lot of people that I'm like, oh, I love you so much. And then, but man, if you do that one more time, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. Like, <laughs> not you, Ellen. Never you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as they all start prepping for dinner, except for Harry, because he is told to continue relaxing and then obviously Sirius and Mundungus because they're sitting with him. Sure. Mundungus is like, have you seen old Figgy since that night? And it's like, I wouldn't have left, but I had a good business opportunity. So his apology still not great. No, it's a pretty shitty apology. Yeah. It's more of an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But before Harry can say anything, really, he's startled by Crookshanks brushing up against his leg and then the cat jumps into Sirius's lap. The closest the movie got was having Crookshanks eat the extendable ear. And that so. didn't happen in the book at all because Crookshanks is in a menace. Like I said last week. Crookshanks got redeemed. But the ear thing, though, cats play with shit that's dangling. Yeah, they do. And that was funny, but it didn't happen in the book. Crookshanks are just looking for scritchins. <laughs> oh, my God. Scritchins? Scritchins. Okay. And Sirius obliges, giving him some ear scritchins, and asks Harry if he's had a good summer so far, which, what the fuck, Sirius? <laughs> what do you really think the answer to that question is going to be? I mean, comparatively, though, Harry has had a slightly better summer than Sirius has. Yeah, but Harry's not going to be like, wasn't as bad as yours, man. Well, no, I know that, <laughs> but I mean, maybe he was just hoping, or maybe he was just looking for Harry to commiserate with him. You know what? Let's go with that. You know, misery loves company. Because Harry does actually go, it's been lousy, thanks. <laughs> but Sirius is like, personally, I would have welcomed a Dementor attack. And Harry's like, what? Seriously? <laughs> he goes, yep, that's my name. Don't wear it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ellen, <laughs> we've done so well avoiding those. But it was there. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> but Sirius explains that he's been stuck inside Grimmauld Place for the past month. Since the ministry is still after him, he can't just go outside. And even though he can turn into a dog, at this point, Wormtail would have told Voldemort. Yeah. So all of the Death Eaters are going to know. And it makes his big disguise pretty fucking useless. Mm -hmm. So Dumbledore's just like, sorry, man, there's not much you can do. But thanks for the house. Yeah. Good on you, guy. Hey, can you help clean too? <laughs> oh, he can. <laughs> and he will. And he does. But the tone of his voice clues Harry into how he feels about the headmaster at the moment. And he just has this like, oh, kindred, kindred <laughs> spirit. We're both pissed at Dumbledore right now. Mm -hmm. We both have our issues with our other daddy. <laughs> <laughs> but Harry also points out that at least Sirius has been allowed to know what's going on. Which Sirius could be like, yeah, well, at least Harry's been allowed to leave the fucking house. Yeah, I feel like they both have their arguments. Yeah. Especially since knowing what's going on does not cheer Sirius up at all, as we talked about last week. It involves listening to Snape speak. Right. 
And we got some great responses about <laughs> what goes through his head when that happens. We did. Oh, my God. I love our keepers. Because Snape's reports include snide hints like he's out there taking risks and you're just staying home cleaning where it's safe. Mm-hmm. We did see a glimpse of a reference to this in the movie when they're using the extendable ears to listen into the conversation and they overheard Snape taunting Sirius. Yeah. I mean, it's what prompted our Potter pondering about yeah, it. So exactly. Totally fits in to what happened. Just done in a slightly different order, mm-hmm. slightly different place, slightly different way. Yeah. Which kind of sums up the comparison to this book and movie here. Right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, book versus movie. Pretty similar. Left some things out. Slightly different order, slightly different way. Streamlined. Bye, (laughs) y'all. But anyway, because Sirius mentioned the cleaning, Harry's just like, cleaning? What do you mean? Even though Ron and Hermione literally just told them about this. It didn't have the word Voldemort or Dumbledore in it. You probably didn't process it then. You're (laughs) right. He was just like, I, what? Huh? (laughs) Cleaning. But his dog father explains that no one's lived there for 10 years and the house elf's gone round the twist. He's a nutter, as Ron says. Bat shit cray cray. Bat shit cray cray and has not cleaned anything in ages. So that explains a lot of the gloominess of the place. Mm-hmm. Aside from the gloomy tone that comes from just being a murder house. Yes, there's definitely that. But being in disrepair for 10 years and only having a batshit crazy house elf to care for it or to not care for it in this case exactly or to ignore the shit out of it yeah to just hoard his favorite things yeah pretty much you know it makes sense Ugh, it leaves um, the murder house quite icky however tell you what you put that bitch on the market and some hipster's gonna come in flipping around (laughs) you've seen the billboards we buy ugly houses right we buy murder houses Good luck finding it, though. Location, location, location. Shit's right in London, man. Yeah, it's a true story. That thing, even as is, would rent out for a cool million. I would love to see some non-magic folk try to flip that magical house, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sitcom, too. Right? They get to the picture, and they're just like, nope, we're just going to leave this here. They try to paint over it. (laughs) Is that painting of the tree screaming? But anyway, the conversation about cleaning is interrupted by Dungrags. Good old Dungrags. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Who is looking at one of the empty goblets and like, serious, my man, is this solid silver? <laughs> only one thing on Dungrags' mind. And Sirius is like, yep, only the best for the black, solid silver and crested with the black family crest. Of course. And Mundungus is clearly plotting to steal these because he's just like, oh, but that'll come off. (laughs) (laughs) And then this conversation is sidetracked when Mrs. Weasley has to yell at Fred and George for trying to use magic Mm -hmm. to carry the large cauldron of stew, Mm -hmm. an iron flagon of butterbeer, and a heavy wooden breadboard complete with knife to the table. So they're just magically floating it across the kitchen to the table. Y'all, maybe just carry the knife. Maybe. Maybe. Just saying. But they didn't. No, not so much. And this is what the movie was referencing when they apparate in behind Molly and scare the shit out of her in the previous scene. And she's like, just because you can use magic now does not mean you have to whip your wands out for everything. 
Yeah, and I'm really glad they included it because that line is basically word for word from mm-hmm. what she says in the book. It's a little different, but it's the same. It's a ding. A definite ding. Except for how it happened. Yeah. So I'm glad they included it, but I think it makes more sense in the book because they lose control of everything and it skids across the table, spilling the butterbeer everywhere and the knife flies off of the breadboard and lands point down in the table right where Sirius's hand had been just a second before. That's scary. It's scary, but I also would have loved to see this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Could you imagine him pulling his hand away just as the knife was going in the table? That would have been perfect. But I feel like that makes more sense because she yells at them for whipping their wands out for every tiny thing. And apparating doesn't require you to whip your wand out. Well, that and they were purposely doing it to scare her. Like, that was completely on purpose. They weren't just being lazy and being like, I don't want to go down the stairs. I'll just apparate down. Like, no, they wanted to piss her off. And it worked. Right. But it's not the same situation at all. I will say, though, that is all the evidence I need right there to explain as to why they did end up in Gryffindor when I think they should have been Slytherin. Because it is brave as fuck to deliberately piss off Molly. (laughs) Well, you gotta get along day by day somehow. Yeah. In grim old place. (laughs) But anyway, as the knife nearly stabs Sirius's hand, Molly screams at them, saying the line about not having to whip your wands out for every tiny thing. Mm -hmm. Yep, hafting. Yep. Hafting, for sure. The twins then apologize to Sirius, but he doesn't care. He and Harry are just both cracking up over it. Yeah. They just both think that it's hilarious. Well, probably, probably because, because it's, it's the most, most exciting, exciting thing that's happened, happened all summer. Dude! <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> I have Coke upstairs. Score! Sweet! Anyway. Moving on. Great minds. Crazy minds. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Crazy great minds. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mr. Weasley tries to diffuse the tension that's happening from this. Trying to diffuse the, the tension. tension. But I feel like that's just his job. Well, at this point, it's really probably the most important job he has is keeping Molly from killing her children. Or any of the other order or members. Or anyone else. Yes, that too. But he's trying to encourage the twins to show some responsibility now that they're of age. But it's too late. Mrs. Weasley is just fired up and she's going to say what she's going to say. Mm-hmm. She starts lecturing them about how none of their older brothers caused this kind of trouble. She's just like, Bill didn't feel the need to apparate every five feet. Charlie didn't do this. <laughs> and then she gets to Percy. Oh, and things get awkward real fucking fast. Yeah, super awkward. She just stops talking. Mm-hmm. And Arthur like loses all of his peacekeeper abilities because he goes stony-faced. And Bill's just like, hey, why don't we eat? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bill. Way to go. Yeah, I like to imagine his voice got that high, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why don't we eat? (laughs) And Lupin, too, the other peacekeeper of the bunch, is like, hey, everything looks wonderful. Yeah. And then it just goes dead silent. But the silence is filled a little bit with the scraping of cutlery and... Awkward dinner music. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Eventually, Mrs. Weasley, like, strikes up another conversation to get away from that and tells Sirius that... There's something trapped in the writing desk of the drawing room, and she assumes that it's a boggart, but she thinks they should have Mad-Eye Moody take a look at it before they let it out of the drawer, just in case. And Sirius is like, sure, sounds great, whatever. (laughs) Can't wait. Yet again, something I actually can't really do. She also tells him that 
the curtains are full of doxies and she thinks that they should tackle those the next day and Sirius is like awesome look forward to it that sounds like such an exciting thing to do I can't wait and Harry hears the sarcasm in his voice but actually thinks to himself that he's not sure anybody else noticed it but I'm like how can you not notice it right like is Sirius that good at being sarcastic without sounding sarcastic maybe they've just gotten used to it from him maybe or they just ignore it now. But Harry's right. over there like, I don't think my dog father's looking forward to tackling <laughs> the doxies. I think that man's not telling the full truth somehow. Somehow. Mm. But then across from him at the table, Tonks is entertaining Hermione and Ginny by transforming her nose. Just mostly making it different noses. Mm-hmm. And like making it big, making it long, making it hairy making it look like a little button like she's just changing are we still it. talking about noses we are still oh, talking okay. about noses just checking things got weird in my head and harry starts to realize that this is just normal dinner time entertainment because jenny and hermione start requesting their favorites starting with the pig snout nose <laughs> which gives harry the impression of a female dudley sitting across from him mm-hmm yeah, this is something we'll basically see in the movie as well. But since the section lines up better with the second half of the chapter, we'll talk more about it next week. Yeah. It's sort of there. Mm -hmm. At another part of the table, Mr. Weasley, Bill, and Lupin are having a discussion about the goblins and where they stand on this whole Voldemort issue. Mm -hmm. Although knowing them, they're probably saying you know who, because I think Lupin's the only one in the bunch that will say Voldemort. Yeah. But Bill's the one talking about his contact, Ragnarok, who feels particularly anti-wizard because he was one of the goblins involved in all of the Ludo Bagman shit and has no idea that Fred and George have his ear. Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if he knew Fred and George had his ear, he'd be much more willing to comply. Right. But instead, he just <laughs> thinks that because they never got their gold back, that the ministry did some kind of cover up. And Bagman's just completely disappeared. Which, if you ask me, that's pretty sus. That's sus as fuck. The goblins didn't get their gold. Bagman's gone. And the Weasleys have a random ear? Right? Hmm. hmm. Me think something's going on with them goblins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the game is a foot. Or the game is an ear. <laughs> fuck you, Emma. <laughs> oh. But the conversation about the goblins is drowned out by some laughter because Dungrags is telling the twins and Ron about a bunch of toads that he stole and then managed to sell back to the person he stole them from. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I gotta say, obviously the movie couldn't include any of this since Dungrags isn't even a thing yet. And by yet, I mean, give it a couple movies. Yeah. You know, just give it some time. I really wish it could have been included, especially because it would give Julie Walters some more amazing moments. Right? As Molly is not amused by this story or Dungrag's knowledge of right and wrong. Because he's like, I mean, he stole them from somebody in the first place, so I didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, but that's not how it works, guy. Yeah, I don't think it works like that. Not entirely how it works. But then Sirius whispers to Harry that Molly doesn't really approve of dung rags. And Harry's just like, why is he in the order then? And his dog father tells him that it's because he has useful contacts. And Dumbledore got him out of a tight spot once. So he's super loyal to Dumbledore. Yeah. And that is definitely something useful to have. Oh, for sure. 
Molly accepts that, but she still thinks inviting him to stay for dinner is too much. Plus, she hasn't forgiven him for shirking his guard duty. And let's face it, probably never will. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. No. She will hold him to that until she dies. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be on Dumbledore's good side. It's another to just leave her precious little baby cub out in the wild all alone by himself. To be attacked by Dementors. Yeah, boy's lucky he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Boy's lucky. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then after dinner, Harry has three helpings of rhubarb crumble and custard for dessert. Which was our trivia question. It sure was. Mm-hmm. Harry's jeans are feeling uncomfortably tight, which as we mentioned up in the answering of the trivia question, that that is super impressive because they once belonged to Backpack of Assholes. Yeah. That's when you start getting nervous. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you look like right now, Harry? Mm-hmm. Pot belly Harry. Food baby. <laughs> Food baby. <laughs> but he sets his spoon down and just listens into the conversations going on around him. At this point, Tonks yawns. And I think Mrs. Weasley sees that because she yawns too and says that it's time for bed. Because mm-hmm. they're totally contagious. Yes, definitely. But Sirius is just like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Turns to Harry is like, how have you not been asking us all of the questions about Voldemort? I kind of did, but you weren't there. He's like, I would have thought that would have been the very first thing you did. And Harry's just like, well, it was. I asked Ron and Hermione and they were like, we're not allowed to be in the order. And Mrs. Weasley's just like, oh, damn straight, you're not allowed to be in the order. You're too young. Mm-hmm. And Sirius is like, you don't have to be in the order to ask questions. Molly's got to be like, shut up. That's basically Sirius, what happens here. Shut the fuck up. Ixnay on the Eshens quake. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this also pisses off Fred and George, who are like, what the fuck? Why can't we get our questions answered? We've been asking you questions for a month and you won't answer any of them. And Harry's not even of age. Mm-hmm. And Sirius is like, well, that's not my fault. I don't make the decisions for you. That's your parents' choice. <laughs> that's on them. But with Harry and Mrs. Weasley's just like, it's not up to you to decide what's good for Harry or not. Have you forgotten what Dumbledore said? We're not supposed to tell Harry more than he needs to know. Who's to say what Harry needs to know, though? Apparently Dumbledore Apparently. is. And Sirius is like, I'm not talking about telling him more than he needs to know. But he is the one who saw Voldemort come back. I think he has more right to know than most people here. Mm-hmm. Most people anywhere. Yeah. Mrs. Weasley's just like, hello, he's not a member of the Order. And Sirius is like, well, yeah, but he's done as much or more than most of us in the order. Mm-hmm. More than you, Molly. More than you. Oh, fighting words. He didn't actually say that. I, I just kind of think he was thinking it. I know, but it would be fighting words. Yeah. They're totally fighting. Right. And we're going to cut the chapter here because it's starting to get more into the details that the movie did include. So we'll talk about the rest next week. Yeah. And like we were saying, Molly and Sirius are like, constantly butting heads with one another Mm -hmm. well you have the one that usually runs the house and the one whose house it is so yeah there's some awkwardness going on too many cooks in the kitchen if you will and then on top of that she kind of views Sirius the same way she views dung rags yeah i can see that and that sucks for Sirius because it's not fair on Sirius. That's not fair at all. And then next week we will, it's not in the movie scene, but it is in the book chapter. We get a little bit more information on why she thinks that about him. Mm-hmm. 
And the movie didn't really include any of that. Which, yeah. like I said, we'll talk about it more next week. This is just so much detail. Mm-hmm. Some backstories, some amusement, some setting up for future things. Yeah. That wasn't included in the movie. And we don't want our episodes to be two hours long. So we had to cut it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, it would have been great to have it all in the movie, but it just wasn't. And that sucks. It does suck. I maintain that if they do ever decide to remake it, should be a television series. I agree. I definitely agree. And I even know then there will be differences. Mm-hmm. Because you can't translate everything from literature into film the same way. You just can't do it. Yeah. It doesn't work. Right. So I get that things are going to have to be changed and things are going to have to be left out. Things may even be slightly reordered. Mm-hmm. But this was significant. Yeah. A lot of these things were maybe not all the way to the end significant, but they were significant in this moment. Right. And that's why it's so irritating. And we haven't even gotten to the tough chapters yet. No, not at all. It is something else. It is something else. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But we're still going to keep rolling. Like we do. Like we do. <laughs> and as there are no movie sections, we don't have actors to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to roll right into our Potter pondering, which is, who do you think had a worse summer? Harry Potter, who was stuck at Privet Drive with no news and a Dementor attack, or Sirius Black, who was stuck at a murder house? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. You can also stitch us your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. Mm-hmm. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Callie Waters. Yay! She writes, I am a Ravenclaw. My wand is made of cypress, 11 and 3 quarters inches with a phoenix feather core, and my Patronus is a dolphin. I have always loved Harry Potter thanks to my mom. She was the one who got me into it. She gave me the books she had and bought the rest of them as they came out. I think the first or second movie is my favorite. It's when the magic was new and exciting for the trio, and my go-to movie when I'm sick or had a crappy day at work. Aww, I love Kelly. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Callie. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media or leave it as a comment on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. This week's trivia question is... Where does Kingsley Shacklebolt lead the ministry to believe that Sirius has been hiding? The first one who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag real asset will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.